0: The electric Here we are, the electrification nation, talking to you wherever you are. Produced by Christopher Fletcher, audio from FLF Beats, and this article comes to you from
1: Power to the EV, Norway Spearheads Europe's Electric Vehicle Search. Written by Paul Hockenos, on Tuesday, 7 February 2017. Oslo, Norway's capital, like most of the Scandinavian countries, cities and towns, boasts bus lane access for electric vehicles. Recharging stations are plenty, privileged parking and toll-free travel for electric cars. The initiative began in the 1990s as an effort to cut pollution, congestion and noise in urban centres. Now its primary rationale is combating climate change. Today, Norway has the highest per capita number of all-electric, battery-only cars in the world. More than 100,000 in a country of 5.2 million people. Last year, EVs constituted nearly 40% of the nation's newly registered passenger cars. And the Norwegian experiment shows every sign of accelerating. Earlier this year, Norway opened the world's largest fast-charging station which can charge up to 28 vehicles in about half an hour. The country, joined by Europe's number two in electromobility, the Netherlands, intends to phase out all fossil fuel powered automobiles by 2025. Elon Musk, CEO of the US electric car company Tesla Motors, responded to Norway's goal by tweeting, What an amazingly awesome country. You guys rock. Norway is the clear electric vehicle paysetter in Europe, which now has about 500,000 electric vehicles. China leads the world in EV usage, with about 600,000 all-electric vehicles on its roads, and an ambitious plan to deploy 5 million EVs by 2020. The US ranks third globally, with fewer than 500,000 EVs, but electric vehicle momentum is picking up in the US as evidenced by the 400,000 people who have paid $1,000 beyond the waiting list for Tesla's $35,000 Model 3 car. Trailblazing achievements of the Norwegians and the Dutch are just one reason that many experts see 2017 as a crucial breakout year for electric mobility in Europe and beyond. Experts acknowledge that in the past, the numbers have never quite lived up to the hype around EVs, or other alternative transportation technologies. Indeed, in 2016, only 2 million electric and hybrid passenger cars were on the road worldwide, about 0.2% of the global fleet. In Europe, significantly less than 1% of new car registrations are battery electric vehicles, as opposed to hybrid cars. And key questions still loom such as whether there will be sufficient renewable energy supplies to power vast new fleets of EVs. If electric vehicles are charged with fossil fuel-generated electricity, the result is more, not fewer, greenhouse gas emissions. Nevertheless, because of rapid technological advances and strong government support for EVs in Europe and China, experts maintain that a new era in electromobility is dawning, and that this time there's more to the prediction than industry optimism. We're convinced that Europe and other continents, too, are now turning the corner on e-mobility, says Lars Mönch, of Germany's Federal Environmental Agency. It's the aim of all big cities worldwide to ambitiously tackle the climate and urban congestion issues that they all face, referring to the provisions of the Paris Agreement on Climate Change, in which nations pledged emission cuts aimed at holding temperatures increases below 2C. Monk added, there are goals now for the transportation sector that can only be met with alternative forms of mobility. Norway illustrates that with incentives that eliminate the price advantage of conventional gas-burning vehicles, many people will go for the electric option. It works, absolutely, says Martin Norman of Greenpeace Norway, who has driven an EV since 2004. It's clearly feasible, especially in urban areas we found that the range of EVs is enough for most of what people need. And since 98% of Norway's electricity comes from hydropower, the country's burgeoning EV fleet leaves almost no carbon footprint. Many European experts and industry representatives see the Norwegian model, minus the whopping subsidies, as a sign of where European electromobility is heading. Magdalena Joswika, of the European Environment Agency, a Copenhagen-based EU body, says the EU looks to non-EU member Norway for inspiration. Even though it's highly subsidised, e-mobility in Norway has caught far on account of its own virtues, she says, noting its contribution to air quality, its quiet and the many perks that e-cars enjoy. People aren't just using them as hobby cars for city shopping anymore, she says. They're switching to full e-mobility because it's possible now. Thanks to its lucrative offshore oil and natural gas business, Norway can afford to promote e-mobility with generous incentives, including a considerable bonus of exception from a 25% sales tax. Norway's access to abundant and cheap zero-emission hydroelectric power means it can offer e-car owners free power charging at public charging. By 2021, the average emission of all new cars must be 40% less than what the average car on the road emits today, an extremely ambitious goal that can only be mapped by the rapid, large-scale adoption of electric vehicles. Every city in the EU is working towards this, he says, noting that fine particular model pollution is also an issue in European metropolises. A certain share of electric mobility of one type or another really only solution. In Europe, transportation is responsible for a quarter of all greenhouse gas emissions. And while Europe's industrial emissions have fallen by 38% since 1990, those in the transportation sector, including aviation, have increased by 9%. The 2015 Paris Climate Accord Follow-up agreements stipulate that every signatory country propose national goals for climate protection, including explicitly for the first time for the transportation sector. Moreover, the International Energy Agency forecasts that greenhouse gas emissions from all transportation will increase by 120% from 2000 to 2050 as a result of a projected threefold increase in the number of cars worldwide. Some industry and advocacy groups have set a global deployment target of 100 million electric cars and 400 million electric motorcycles and scooters by 2030. The up assessments about e-mobility's future are grounded in recent developments, including rapid advances in EV technology and China's newfound commitment to decarbonisation. Moreover, 2016 saw a surge in EV sales globally. 30% 30% more than in 2015, and an expansion of charging infrastructure, both trends that will carry into 2017 and probably beyond. Europe's most popular EVs were free all all-electric plug-ins, the BMW Ivory, Renault Zoe, and Nissan Leaf, as well as Mitsubishi's plug-in hybrid, Outlander. Falling prices for EVs and recent technological developments, several of them led by Tesla, Have changed the game. For one, the cost of lithium iron batteries, which account for about 40% of an EV or hybrid vehicle's cost, has fallen by two thirds since 2010. Much faster than experts had anticipated, and with further steep reductions expected in the near future. Six years ago, average EV batteries sold for more than $1,000 per kilowatt hour. Now it goes for less than $350. It could drop to as low as $125 in the near future, industry experts say. What's more, as battery technology develops, in particular the improving energy density of lithium-ion batteries, enabling them to store more power with less weight, the range of EVs is rising dramatically. From under 100 miles per charge of the first generation of e-cars, BMW i3 lasts for 114 miles without a recharge, and the newest Renault Zoe. Claims to push the 200 mile mark. Yet none of the competitors matches Tesla's leading models with ranges of more than 215 miles. The battery's steady efficiency evolution, which is expected to continue at about 5% a year, implies the plug in all electric is no longer just a second car for city errands. This drop in battery price is reflected in the lower price tags on the newest models. The latest Chevy Bolt sells for around $37,500, and the price tag of the BMW i3 is about $38,500. A second generation of EVs is in production now, and they are considerably lighter, longer-range automobiles than those launched five years ago. The shock of Tesla's unexpected advances, European car manufacturers have invested heavily in the forthcoming fees convinced that they either do so or lose out in the long run. We're now flipping the switch, said Daimler's CEO, Dieter Zietzsch, last year. We're ready for the launch of an electric product offensive that will cover all vehicle segments, from the compact to the luxury class. European car makers have also lobbied forcefully for governments to provide bigger rebates and tax incentives in different forms to stimulate the domestic markets. However, even a range exceeding 200 miles doesn't alleviate the necessity for periodically recharging. The frequency of and distance between charging facilities has long been and remains one of the key sticking points that make potential buyers hesitate. Charging infrastructure in Europe has grown since 2013 at a rate of 30% to 60% a year. The continent now has more than 100,000 charging spots or but a few thousand of them slow chargers, which take as long as eight hours to juice up a battery. Significantly reducing charging times is essential for widespread adoption of EVs, and Europe has recently added 1,300 DC fast chargers to the network, namely stations that repower EVs in little more time than it takes to fill up with gas. But unless you're in Scandinavia, it's still difficult to travel long distances in Europe, of an all-electric plug-in vehicle. This is why the hybrid plug-in is going to be important for the next five years or so, says Bernhardt of Roland Berger Consulting, noting that it adds an entire tank of gas to the plug-in range. The EU appears newly determined to get behind the push for more charging points by stipulating that as of 2019, every newly built or refurbished house from Cyprus to Lapland Will have to have an EV charging station. By 2023, 10% of all buildings' parking spaces must have EV chargers. Europe's automakers now recognise their own interest in finally outfitting the continent with the chargers that their electric fleets require. As a group, BMW, Daimler, Ford, and Volkswagen intend to install thousands of EV fast chargers along European autobahns. Finally, China's sudden and muscular emergence in the world of electromobility has internationalized momentum for EVs. No country sold more EVs than China in 2015, 34% of global plug-in sales. Car makers in the US and Europe consider China as the most important market for manufacturing and sales. General Motors, for example, last year found bias in China, 35% of its global production of electric vehicles though GM China and its joint ventures with Chinese companies. This apparently is just a taste of what the industry believes will come. But as -A's EEA's Joswicker notes, EVs are only as clean as their source of power. The e-mobility revolution has to go hand-in-hand with a transition to clean energy, or it doesn't make any sense. End of article.
0: Thanks again, Chris Bloomer, Electrification Nation brother, hitting it strong here, reading a very long article. And uh, yeah, we appreciate it. I mean, I've, I've been through these long articles and I, I, I'm not going to lie, I struggle to get through them. And you, my friend, did a great job and we appreciate you. And as you can see, this is our Friday show and we are featuring the many voices of the Electrification Nation. We're going to hit up this article now, but I also got to talk about the sweet beat behind my voice, which is FLEC Beats. They're everywhere, but we want you to go one place and one place only to buy these beats. And that's through our website, because there's a couple people out there that uh, want to throw out their own FLX Beats. And they're not true to the show. They're not the ones contributing to the show. Um, FLX Beats is the sole sponsor of this show. So if you want to support the show by buying a beat... Go to our website, and that's electrificationnation.com. Now, onto the article here. This is amazing for me because if you think about it, we, we've got electrification coming strong from two continents. We got China, which is, uh, could that be considered Asia? But still, that, that, that's a huge country. And then we got Europe. We're, the European nations are getting together, China is getting together. I know India is trying to push their thing down there. We got, we got actual continents pushing electrification like you wouldn't believe. It's a beautiful thing to see. You know, in the United States here, we got our, our, our thing going on with Elon Musk doing, making noise with Tesla. Well, you got BYD in China. You got the European nations just, just going nuts. Germany itself is, is trying to ban ICEs altogether it's just it's a great thing to see and it's a great thing to happen you know we're not gonna it's not gonna happen with just elon musk and tesla here and it's not gonna happen with the united states it's got to be a a global effort and to hear that the european union and china are are going ahead with this it's, it's a beautiful thing the one thing i like here is uh norway norway is sort of leading the way here. As far as growth, they're growing at a a very, very big way because they're not as big as China. Now China is leading the world in number of electric cars. The United States is in third, which is kind of cool. I mean, I'm in the US, I contributed. I got two in my driveway, so I'm doing my thing. Well, one of them is uh, half-car, half-amazing. It's a Chevy Bolt, which I'm probably probably thinking about going down there and talking to uh, the owner of the dealership where I got it from and see if I could, you know, exchange that for a Chevy Bolt. I mean, I'll take a Bolt over a Bolt, fully electric. I mean, I'm already experienced it with the Leaf. I know what I'm getting into. So, you know, that'd be a good thing to get into. So we got, nine, we got Norway with the highest per capita number of all-electric battery-only cars in the world with more than 100,000 in a country of 5.2 million. That's good news. That, that is 40% of the nation's newly registered passenger cars. It's four out of 10 cars. So for every 10 cars sold, four of them are battery-only cars, and the other six are ICE. We're still on the losing end of that spectrum. But if you compare it to the rest of the world, if you compare it here to the United States, if you compare it to upstate New York, that's a huge number. I mean, if I if I was driving to work, and my electrification number would be if it was four out of ten new cars, just a new car, my electrification number would be well in the fifties or sixties. My electrification number today, for you know upstate New York where I work, or, uh, where I might commute. I mean, it was low. I mean, we're we're talking about a 4.5, 4.5. I had two Leafs today and five volts. Volts are are by far the Chevy Volt is the most popular car up here, as far as electrification goes. And they're not even a fully electric car. So, I mean, in my town, I know that my number's gonna be low because we don't have the pollution and the, the drive to push vehicles by government standards here, but if you take California, I would love to have anybody, anybody in in any of those places in California, Seattle, Silicon Valley, Palo Alto, wherever the huge concentration of electric vehicles are, I would love to get an electrification number from you guys. I would love to get an electrification number from Norway, from anywhere in Japan, in the Netherlands. Whatever is going on out there, I wanna hear these electrification numbers. Throw them on Twitter, throw them on my Facebook. I'm going to read them out here. I'm going to read them out here on our shows. Even if, even if it's not Electrification Nation show, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shout them out there because we, it, it's a good way to gauge what's going on out there in your neck of the woods, in your hood. And If you guys are confused about what I'm talking about with the Electrification Nation game, I'm talking about one for Nissan Leaf, a one for a Mitsubishi iV, a one for a BMW i3. So those are cars where the range is either 100 or less. They're sort of called the low-range electric cars. Then you get a 0.5 for these plug-in hybrids. I know Toyota has one. Ford has one. They, they, they don't, it's not really a good plug-in hybrid, but it's a plug-in hybrid. Give it a 0.5. It's uh, the Ford Energy. If you see a Ford Energy, that's a 0.5. If you see a, any Chevy Volt, that's a 0.5. And then you got your 200 cars. That's any. And I say any. Any Tesla you see out there. That's going to give you a 0.2. If you see the Chevy Volt, that's going to give you a 0.2. And... That's how we're measuring electrification. Now, I'm gonna add buses to that because I-, I see BYD is doing their thing with electric buses. If you have electric buses in your hood, you know, those are 350. Give yourself a 3.5 for that electric bus. And it- shout out your number because I, I-, I- it w- it'd be nice to sit here and say, hey, Norway's at a 60. You know, California's at a 45. Uh, so-and-so from Chicago. You know, got a six point five. You know, I mean, you don't have to tell me. You really don't even have to tell me the number of cars that you got. Just give me the number because it'd be nice to see worldwide what's going on. And I know, um, I know that Chris Bloom is probably in South Africa right now, and he's he's probably under the same boat that I'm in. You know, there's, there's few and far between. Um, electric cars i mean i've heard it from him a few times you know he, he has the same struggle that we have up here you go to a dealership and people don't even know what you're talking about nobody wants to sell you an electric car if they're a dealership there's no incentive from the dealership so you know the incentives have to come from somewhere so now you got countries out there pushing the incentive because for them there's an environmental benefit to Pushing electro mobility. Now I picked up this word that word electro mobility. I've heard it before. I picked up that jargon from this article and I'm gonna start using it. I'm gonna adopt that because it is it's electro mobility. We want electro mobility, we want our vehicles to be electric, fully electric, not not you know, not to knock on anything that's out there that's trying to, to introduce the public slowly. Into electrification, I, it, it does. It takes a lot. I was talking with a friend today. He was stuck on the what if I have to take a long trip? You know, he's a good friend of mine, but he was sort of trying to argue for the populace. He wasn't trying to argue for himself because I've already talked to him about it. I've already bantered with him about it, and, and I've sort of you know through the the plus and minuses. For having an electric car versus the ICE car. And I like to get into these, these conversations with people when they sit there. They try to tell you that, you know, I, I need the, I need a car in case I want to take a long trip. And I, I feel that. I, I feel that. But if you're just the type of person whose commute, uh, their daily commute, your normal commute, your normal driving is... Under a hundred miles a day, then the, the ICE argument is not going to fly with me. If you're going to sit there and tell me, "Well, I got to go cross country every now and then, then," then hey, then don't buy an electric car. If if, if you don't realize that you can you you benefit from having an electric car for your daily commute, but you think that your electric car you won't buy an electric car because you can't make it cross country or you can't make it three thousand miles this way, three thousand miles that way, then I don't know what to tell you. I've had my electric car for five years. I've enjoyed driving gas-free for five years to and from work. I can't mathematically tell you what the advantages are. I mean, I started leasing it. I purchased my Leaf, but the mathematical advantage is there. It really is there. And one of these days, I'm going to sit down, I'm going to crunch the numbers, and I'm going to put a nice little picture on Facebook and Twitter to show everyone that electromobility is is probably going to be the way to go. I mean, the amount of money I save on fuel and maintenance and time, stuff like that, is, it's, it's there. It really is there. And I have a short-range electric car, and I haven't had a problem for five years. I do have a 240 at the house, and having a 240 at the house is probably the best thing we did because being able to go out run a few errands on the weekend come home plug in that 240 that thing juices up a lot faster than the 120 you come out and you can do even more so a 240 does benefit an, an ev owner even if you are driving a plug-in ice vehicle those half, well, some of those half car amazing cars because we have our chevy vault and it's the same thing model three yup us 400,000 people jumped on the band i think there's more than that right now i mean i haven't heard any news about numbers going up and down as far as the model 3 goes for tesla but you know it's 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 still i, I guarantee you every single ice ceo had a meeting with their board following the news that tesla just sold four hundred thousand imaginary cars They're imaginary cars now, because nobody has them. There's no Model 3 out there. You have have ICE companies building the cars and trying to incentivize people to buy them and have dealerships around the world trying to push them on people, commercials on the TV, you know, say, buy this car, buy that car. And here you have small company in the United States Telling everyone, hey, we got this car coming out. If you want one, give us a thousand dollars, and you get a four hundred thousand response to that. Yeah, they're 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 thinking about that. Rapid technology and strong government support for EVs in Europe and China. That, that's gonna it's gonna push the envelope, you know. And and what I like about it is is, is the mentioning of rapid technology, the the speed of battery advancement is happening at at such a rate that it's going to become basically dumb and i say dumb not into not to not introduce electromobility into your fleet it's going to get there i feel I, i i feel it i see it it's going to get to the point where electromobility is going to be extremely cheap they got through they went through the numbers on here it was like $1,000 for kilowatt-hours. Um, um, let me see how long ago, I'm trying to scroll down the article here. It was $1,000 per kilowatt-hour and, and in 2010. That's how much it was. That means for every kilowatt-hour that your battery had on your car, it cost the manufacturer $1,000. Now, it's less than $350 for that same kilowatt-hour and they're saying it could drop as low as $125 in the near future I don't know how it is for the ICE industry but I don't think it's it's getting cheaper and cheaper to build an internal combustion engine but the main cost of the electric car is this battery believe it or not it's the battery the battery is what used to cost the most but now with the advancement it's, it's getting down, it's getting cheaper and cheaper. At 125 per kilowatt hour in the near future, what you're gonna have is greater range at better prices for better cars because they are driving computers that run on batteries that can be plugged in overnight. Uh, one of the arguments I got with uh, my friend today was the fact that you can go with an ICE vehicle to a gas station at any time and and fill it up and that's the convenience well you know for me it's an inconvenience it is an inconvenience that I have to go someplace else to fuel my car what a convenience is to me is being able to come home plug it in come upstairs record my awesome awesome podcast following Chris Bloom's read you know on top of the best beats out there at beats all this while my car is fueling in my driveway with electricity. I'm gonna wake up to a full tank tomorrow. You know, if I wanted to stop at the gas station, it'd be for something I need at home: milk, juice, a lottery ticket, maybe a slice of pizza. We got some we got some gas stations up here that make some good ass pizza. So, you know, it's not really disgusting up here. upstate new york and they be rocking out the pizza they got these, these these roller meat things that they put on the roller grill the buffalo chicken sticks little spicy chicken sticks that i like to get so you know i mean the convenience store is not going out of business because of me unless they make all their money through gasoline then they're losing business from me but i don't have to stop there i come home i plug in my car i wake up to a full car go to work come home plug in my car wake up to a full car You know i don't have to stop at the gas station on the way home i don't have to stop at the gas station on the way to work i don't have to go to the gas station once every two weeks once a week you know if i'm driving a hummer you know once every four minutes what i'm trying to say is that an adjustment to what you're used to will adjust your convenience for a person out there driving the ICE vehicle for them it is convenient to go to the gas station and fill up but for me driving an electro mobility car that's a thing or my Nissan Leaf my electric car it's convenient for me to come home and just plug in and come upstairs and do what I got to do work on my basketball stuff my my side basketball business work on my podcast and get it out there that's convenient for me. So th- th- to me, that's where the argument goes. Uh, you guys decide where the argument stands with you. Um, I'm going to enter here our appreciation section. This was a long article read, and I threw in a long commentary. There's a lot more to say about this article. Great article find by Chris Bloom. Um, thank you for the struggle. I mean, I-, I-, I, know, I know what it does to read a long article. I- I've read long articles, and they're exhausting. They really are. It's not as easy as people think. I know what you did for us, Chris Bloom, and, and we strongly appreciate it. Uh, this article was great. Uh, these people, theguardian.com, at the end of the article, they sort of reached out, and you know, we want to thank the Guardian, of course. Thank the author, too. I can't see it. You know. Oh, yeah. Paul Hokinos. I believe that's the author. Uh, we want to thank you, too. And, and we would like to say something. We would like to read this part of the Guardian's article because... You know, we're on the same boat as these guys, you know, and and I'll read what they have to say on here. It says, since you're here, we've got a small favor to ask. More people are reading The Guardian than ever, but far fewer are paying for it. Advertising revenues across media are failing fast. And unlike some other news organizations, we haven't put up a paywall. We want to keep our journalism open to all. So you can see why we need to ask for your help. The Guardian's independent investigative journalism takes a lot of time, money, and hard work to produce. But we do it because we believe our perspective matters. Because it might well be your perspective too. If everyone who reads our reporting, who likes it, helps to support, our future will be much more secure. We're on the same boat as The Guardian. So this, this is our appreciation to you guys for listening to the show. We have Patreon. Uh, We're going to do more with Patreon starting next week. We'll we'll clue you in on that. But if you want, donate 99 cents for this show. And if if you find it in you, you know, if you don't want to donate 99 cents for this show, but you enjoyed this article, you enjoyed Chris Bloom's read, you enjoyed my commentary, you know, donate 99 cents to TheGuardian.com. Why? Because they did give us a great article. You know, become a supporter. Make a contribution. There's, there... Their website is going to be linked up to our website. So if you want to go on there, click on there, check them out. I mean, journalism right now, as we know it, it's chasing. You got got all these people screaming at each other out there, claiming to be real news, fake news, whatever it is. But I'm going to tell you right now, The Guardian did a great job with this article. And if you can find it in yourself to contribute to them, you'll go right ahead. I mean, if if you were going to give us 99 cents and you decide to give it to them, well, we don't mind at all. I mean, we need the money too. We want the money too. And, you know, we want to give you something for it. We want you to buy a a beat from us, from our website, because that supports us. And we're on the same boat as The Guardian. This is all journalism that we're doing. Now, my journalism is basically reading somebody else's journalism and commenting on it. These guys are doing the real work. So feel it in your heart. Feel free to go out there and support these guys because this is what we need to do as a people of this world because we need information and we're, we're at a point where information is at our fingertips. We can put on some headphones, listen to a podcast, read blogs, visit websites, Google anything, search anything, Yahoo anything, Bing anything, and that, that's just where we are. So, with that, um, I'm going to close it out right here. This thing is getting ridiculously long. And, you know, Chris Fletcher is our producer. He works very hard. He works, he works harder than most people I know. And uh, I don't want to send him any more work than I have to. But I really enjoyed reading this article. I've enjoyed um, Chris Bloom reading, and I enjoyed The Guardian for the hard work that they put out there. So, with that, I'm going to let you guys go. I am the electric car superstar you guys out there pushing the show growing the show moving the show forward are the electrification nation the sweet beat behind my voice is Elect beats and the man making us sound great playing podcast producer christopher fletcher and we are out